Hi everyone, we would like to welcome you to our podcast, e-government reform comparison between South Korea and South Africa. Today, we are joined by myself, Bagas, Dinda, Yona, Maria, and me, Aska. Our topic today revolves around reform implementation, changes in managerial approach on administrative unit, changes in relationship with the public, and an evolution of the reform in South Korea and South Africa. Today, we will attempt to dive into how these two different countries approach the gap between demand for service using the technology available today. So, let's start off with Dinda. Thank you, Bagas. Hi, everyone. I'm Dinda. I'm glad to be here with you today. So, today I'm going to talk about what kind of reform they implement. Both of South Korea and Africa implement e-government reforms. E-government information technology as a tool help run the government system more efficiently. The development of electronic-based governance is known as e-government. E-government refers to the government's use of information technology to deliver information and service to its citizens as well as to conduct commerce and other government-related activities. Public administration, for example, may use e-government to increase internal efficiency over public service and democratic governance procedures. Now I'll talk about the change in South Korea. In this example, e-government not only enhanced the quality of public service, but also the timeliness and completeness of information management across government departments. Changes introduced by the new IT system that I will discuss this time are the correction and investigation division and the public access division. First, the correction and investigation division has seen a shift in how much time it spent analyzing and correcting the information on the application form. Online documentation is also beneficial since archiving and retrieving paper-based records might take a long time. Second, for the public access division, the staff may now easily search and print register records thanks to the computerized database. In this case, there is an increase in coordination within government agencies with the rapid delivery of demographic to the Ministry of Administration and Home Affairs and reduce the amount of time staff in the static bureau in processing, preparing, and making, making reports. Sorry. And it's also used by policymakers in developing policies to address demographic change. Next, I will talk about the change in Africa. The changes that are taking place in Africa are visible. In the past, Information technology was used to automate the government through processing data. Information technology and telecommunication now help the government's external operation by processing and communicating. The two major points of the e-government contribution for African change that I will discuss are connecting citizens and creating external interaction. First, connecting citizens 
in e-citizen and e-service. E-citizen and e-service are related to the government citizen connection. Connecting citizen in this case is relied by means of providing all kinds of activity of the public sector to the citizen. Enhancing citizen participant in government decision and action. And improving the service to the public with an improved convenience and level of insurance. Second, creating external interaction in e-society. E-society is related to the connections between government agencies and other organizations. In this case, making external interaction possible by improving the interaction between the government and business, developing communities in social and economic environment, and building government and civil society partnership with international organization. I think that's all from me. Thank you. For next topic, we have Bagas. Okay, thank you, Dinda. First, I'm going to explain the managerial approach in administration unit in South Korea. There are six stages of organization transformation by adapting the Cooper and Zemus technology diffusion model to ensure a structure and systematic approach. First approach is initiation. It means to prioritize technology and organizational needs. Second approach, adaptation. It means to carry out rational and political negotiations in order to secure investment of resources for technology implementation. Third is adaption. It means to conduct member training and develop organizational procedures so that IT application can be applied within the organization. Next is acceptance. It means the use of IT will be carried out in the organization mobile system. Fifth is routinization. The use of IT will be carried out in routine so that the organization can get used to the system. And for the last, infusion, it means the organization will gain effectiveness by using comprehensive and with integrity in higher aspect of the workflow. Okay, now I'm going to explain about the changes introduced by the new system e-government on IT in administrative division. The major changes includes the availability of online services as well as the simplification of the application procedures for registry document and by lowering the number of columns and also by providing better wording in the application forms. Meanwhile, in South Africa, the reformation in e-government also affect the administration unit approach. This approach in administration consisting of decating process costs to improve the input or output through reducing financial and time costs. Next is managing process performance in planning, monitoring, and controlling. Third approach in administrative unit is to making strategic connection in government by connecting government branches, agencies, rifles, and data sources to increase capacity to study, formulate, and implement government strategy and policy. And lastly, is to creating empowerment in power, authority, and resources of the government. I think that's all for me. Next order, Fiona will explain about how does the reform 
affect the relationship between the government and public. Thank you, Bagas, for explaining the effects on managerial approach. And now me, Fiona, will answer the question, how does the reform affect the relationship between government and the public? So I'm going to talk about the South Africa case first. At first, this whole change is expected to bring out these three quality. First, talking to citizens. It means providing citizens with information on government activities, and this mostly concerns particular sorts of accountability, such as holding public officials more accountable for their decisions and actions. Second is listening to citizens. It means enhancing citizen participation in government decisions and actions. And this could be categorized as democratization or participation. And the third is improving public services. It means improving the quality, convenience, and cost of services provided to the general population. This three quality shows that government wanting a better relationship by giving more access to citizens by listening to their opinions. Unfortunately, the journal didn't distinctly talk about how the changes affect the relationship between government and society. But based on the analysis, it shows some of the facts that might explain some former condition and expected result. One of the noticeable things of the people is they're not ready for, to face the change. Well, uh, e-readiness or readiness to use electronic systems is still questionable, especially on computer literacy and familiarity with the Western languages that especially, uh, sorry, the, that dominate computing. Moreover, the point of view that use is Western standardized, meaning that there's context in sociocultural terms that might affect the people. This education and cultural gaps might cause trouble rather than a success story. Beyond the things I mentioned before, shows that might be a miscommunication or misunderstanding between the government and the public. If both sides know what each other needs, wants, and can do, the relation between these two actors perhaps could be better after the change because fixing ways of communication without the public understanding of how to use it could possibly cause useless change. In the South Korea case, the reform actually started from the demand of the public. The demand helped the, to force government to rethink the system and applying a new one. One of S CRO purpose is to facilitate registers office and the public to communicate and coordinate in an open and flexible method, explaining the effort of government to build accessible public services. The journal also explained that the users of the system do experience practicality through reduced workload and the benefits of centralized database. It also explained the trust and commitment gained from the stakeholder that encouraged course practice to be client-focused for organization. That's all for me. Now we will continue with another topic with Maria. Everyone, today I will explain about whether we consider the e-government reform as a success or a failure in South Africa and Korea. The first that I will discuss is South Africa. So there's a Japanese multinational information technology and electronics company called NEC that publishes 
that ha that many countries in Africa are relatively behind in adoption of e-governance. However, they have seen an unprecedented rise in e-governance in the last decade. As Fiona mentioned before, the beginning of the adoption of e-governance in Africa saw some failures due to design reality gap where Western e-governmental concepts and designs are not applicable to the African reality. COVID-19 has also exposed a deep social and economic divide in many countries. And in South Africa, it's seen that there are different healthcare system and they also have different levels of preparedness and capacity. So this also shows how e-government could be useful to connect the healthcare system. In South Africa, the expanding mobile phone market shows the increasing tool that can be utilized to connect the people and the government. Social media has also been used extensively by the government as it is one of the most effective ways to reach the people. South Africa has been quite successful in their adaptation of e-government. For example, they have an e-procurement system, which is an open, transparent bidding of government tenders and this is a program aimed to prevent corruption. It also, South Africa also made networks to ensure free and fair election. Digitized voting processes makes it accessible for the citizen and easier to arrange by the government. There's also e-filing tax system and online driver license applications that makes it convenient for the people. Website designs and layouts are also clear and pleasant, which increases accessibility. In short, Africa has seen a great leap in e-governments, though it can be helped by making it more suitable to the African demographic and to fix the design reality gap. Now we are going to discuss about South Korea. South Korea has been ranked first by the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development in e-governance adaptation. In the 60s and 70s, they started to computerize the, their public administration. And in the 80s, they founded the National Information and Communication Networks. In the 90s, they started a process of informatization of national administration. And since the beginning of the thousands, they have an integrated e-governance. And in the 2010s, they com completely computerized the public administration. And now South Korea is immersed in intelligent digital government. South Korean e-governance is one of the success stories of e-governance adaptation. However, we must realize that Korea had been building all the infrastructure needed since the 60s. Now South Korea has an integrated website where all of it, the information are stored for the convenience of the people. So that is all for me. And now Aska will explain about the factors in the success and failures of the reforms. Thank you, Maria. Hi, everyone. My name is Aska. And the last point that we're going to point out in this podcast is about what factors contribute to the success or failure of the reform. Well, the factors for the success or fa failed reform in a country include various things. In this case, the implementation of e-government in Africa and South Korea are part of the case study explanation to answer these questions. First, the integrative role of government. 
In this regard, government has a key role in offering critical improvements to efficiency and effectiveness that have the potential to offer a more critical future. If referring to the case study of e-government in Africa, in this case, the government needs to show strategies and tactical responses to deal with problems. And then if there are any improvements, they must be delivered strategically and generically. To reform the government's conventional system to become digital in Africa, for example, the government needs to pay attention to several several things such as building institutional infrastructure, technology and systems, build awareness and commitment, build strategic thinking, and, uh, and building resource and legislative infrastructure. Likewise, what happened in South Korea, that in order to transform the system into digital, more special attention is needed on areas of concern. Second is adaptability. In this case, reform tools must adapt to the needs and realities of society because when society and the state are forced to enter directly into a very different realities that will create failure. On the other hand, designs that match the reality of their situation will be successful. So adaptive abilities are also in line with those learned from South Korean e-government. In this case, framing experience and learning the potential of e-government is important to direct and adapt the potential development of this system to the culture and mindset of the community. Model analysis capabilities are an important tool for this adjustment also. Third one is there are external stakeholders and agendas. As happened with e-government in most countries in Africa, and that the system was encouraged and the number of e-government projects then grew rapidly. Thus, one of the stimulants to encourage bureaucratic reform is external encouragement, or in this case, stakeholders. In a case study in South Korea, project managers were said not to define stakeholder engagement only at the design and development stage. Therefore, engaging stakeholders after the launch system will allow for a real deal with acceptance system. In this case, what is needed is feedback and or criticism so that it can update continuously and improve the system. It is an adequate and effective means of communication between various stakeholders. The expected outcome is not a matter of if it's successful or not, but really on how much the level of effectiveness of the system if it is then implemented in public services. Fourth, there is a degree of avoidance of uncertainty. In the case study in South Korea, the avoidance of uncertainty will affect the project as implemented, especially how project management will view the development risks of a project. Thus, digital transformation is not only seen at one time, but also how the future needs of the system will be, and also whether it will still be relevant for use in the future. Well, that is all for me. Maybe Bagas will add something to end the podcast. Okay, thank you everyone for joining us today.
So that was our conversation regarding e-government reform comparison between South Korea and South Africa. And we hope that you find it as interesting as we do. Thank you all.